the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Chosen to Be Like God. Chosen to Be Like God. Coming from 1 Peter chapter 1, 13 through 16. Have you ever had someone tell you that you remind them of your father and mother? It is interesting to note as we grow older the regularity with which we tend to imitate our parents. Members of the same family often bear a striking resemblance to one another. Sometimes identical twins can scarcely be told apart. Usually, a close family resemblance is something of which we are often quite proud. Just as there are physical resemblances in our family life, so there should be a spiritual resemblance between members of the family of God and the one whom we address as our Father. Peter knows this and draws upon it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, where Peter says, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. In these verses, Peter presents us with the very core, the fountain of what salvation is all about. Unless we understand Peter's teaching about holiness, we cannot understand the nature of our high calling in Christ Jesus. We are called to be like God, to be holy even as he is holy. There are few teachings in the scriptures more controversial and more misunderstood than the teaching on holiness. Because some holiness churches, particularly Pentecostal churches, teach that holiness means sinless perfection brought about by some kind of second blessing or baptism of the Holy Spirit. As a result, many non-Pentecostals have simply avoided the Bible's teaching on holiness. When the Bible tells us that without holiness no one can see the Lord, we immediately sense that we are up against an impossible ideal. The pursuit of holiness is an ongoing struggle for all of us. 
it is so easy to be desensitized by the culture around us. Things that once shocked us now pass us by with little notice. The fact is, there is a great need in our society for believers to live lives that reflect the nature and character of God. But how can we do this? How can we live up to the expectation of a holy God? In the verses before us, Peter tells us first that holiness is the goal of our salvation. First Peter chapter 1, 15 and 16, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Believers are people whom God has chosen to be his children before the creation of the world. Something remarkable happens to us when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. From Peter's perspective, the believer who was once a child of wrath is now a child of God. Once we were blind, but now we can see. Once we had no hope, now we have a living hope. Once we were filled with sadness, now we are filled with inexpressible joy. Once we were dead spiritually, but now we have been made alive in Jesus Christ. Once we were a slave to sinful desires, but now we have been given a new freedom in Christ to be what God wants us to be. God, who has given us all of these blessings, wants us to be like him, to be holy. This is a goal for which God chose us in Christ and called us to be his children. Writing to the Roman Christians, the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 7, I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. Paul regarded Christians as God's holy people, his spiritual children, distinct from non-believers. So writing to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. To the Ephesian Christians, Paul also wrote in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, even before God made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now it is clear from the scriptures that God's eternal purpose in calling us to be his children is that we should be holy, that we should be like him, and that we should have his family resemblance. In calling us to be his children, God has conferred on us an honor that infinitely surpasses any honor this world could bestow on us. The Nobel Peace Prize or the Congressional Medal of Honor do not change the recipient's character, but God gives us his divine nature, which makes it possible for us to be like him in all that we do. 
We can be like God in our coming and going, or buying and selling, or thinking and dreaming, our words and deeds, and in all parts of our life. Talk about raising the bar. That's a high standard. It goes far beyond the usual list of do's and don'ts that we identify with being holy. Holiness is a divine attribute or quality which God desires to share with us. The word holy in Greek and Hebrew means separate or set apart. For example, in the Old Testament, the vessels used in worship were sacred. They were holy. They were set apart for divine use only. So also were the priests who handled these sacred vessels. They were to be ceremonially clean. The Christian believer, then, is a unique person by design to be different from others who do not bear a family relationship to God. So, brothers and sisters, we are special. We belong to the great God who created the heavens and the earth, who by his grace has made us his heirs and joint heirs with his son, Jesus Christ. There's no position in this life that can be compared to what we are in Christ. Not even the holy angels have been given a position like ours. They are servants dispatched from heaven to protect us who are the heirs of redemption. We are required by our Father to be different in our behavior no matter what the circumstances or where we are. There should be something unique about our behavior which readily identifies us with God. Jesus spells it out for us in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, 43 through 45 and 47 and 48, Jesus says, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say... Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you are only kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, if you want to see whether a Christian is being uh, godlike, the test is not so much how he or she behaves on Sunday, but how he or she behaves at home. A person who is living a holy life cannot be an angel at church and a devil at home. It is at home that we really see what we are. None of us is any better than we are thought to be by our family. For they, after all, see most of us and know the truth about us. 
Though we may seem Christ-like in public, if we are unkind and abusive to our spouse and children, there is something that is wrong with us. Holiness is not a selective behavior. It is the same at church, at home, at work, at school, by day and by night. A holy life is more than just refraining from sin. It's a positive life of usefulness to the Lord, to our fellow Christians, and to the whole world. It enables us to want to see justice done. It enables us to want to fight for those who are below us, who need to be cared for. It's a life composed of little deeds of kindness and little deeds of love, which may not seem spectacular. The perfect example of a holy life is the life of Jesus Christ. He demonstrated by word and action the divine qualities of love, kindness, and forgiveness for us to imitate. Holiness for us now is a process, not an accomplished fact. It's a goal that we aim to achieve each day. But secondly, let me mention four practical steps to reach this goal of holiness as given to us by Peter. First, be mentally prepared. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. So prepare your minds for action. Holiness means or holiness begins with proper preparation of our minds. Behavioral scientists have discovered that human behavior is determined to a great extent by the subconscious mind. We can't spend our leisure hours watching soaps and other programs which portray human nature at its worst and not be influenced negatively. What we input into our minds must be holy if our behavior is to be holy. The Apostle Paul warns us not to be conformed to this world. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, he writes, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And Paul in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 uh, says to the Philippian Christians, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, notice the absence of anything negative. You see, what you put in is what you get out. Garbage in, garbage out. Preparing our minds for action means we must actively think through the meaning of what we hear and determine how it applies to our situation. Living as a Christian, especially in times of stress and difficulty, requires the use of the mind. The emphasis today on the emotions, especially in worship, 
has produced a generation of biblically illiterate Christians who fall apart as soon as troubles enter their lives. Some of those who shout the loudest are the first to fall apart in times of crisis. A couple had two boys, ages 8 and 10, who were extremely mischievous. They were always getting into trouble, and their parents knew that if any mischief occurred in their town, their sons were probably involved. The boy's mother heard that a preacher in town had been successful in disciplining children, and so she asked if he would speak with her boys. The preacher agreed, but asked to see them individually. So the mother sent to her eight-year-old first in the morning with the older boy to go in the afternoon. The preacher, a huge man with a booming voice, sat the younger boy down and asked him sternly, Where is God? The boy's mouth dropped. He made no response, sitting there with his mouth hanging open. So the preacher repeated the question in an even sterner voice. He says, where is God? Again, the boy made no attempt to answer. So the preacher raised his voice even more and shook his finger in the boy's face and bellowed, where is God? The boy screamed and bolted from the room, ran directly home and ran into his closet, slamming the door behind him. When the older brother found him in the closet, he asked, what happened? The younger brother, gasping for breath, replied, we are in big trouble, dude. God is missing. (laughs) And they think we did it. (laughs) Those little boys were so biblically ignorant that they didn't even know who God was. It's a crying shame for a person to say that they are a Christian and not know what the Bible teaches about God, about human beings, and what God expects of us. But the second thing is exercise self-control. 1 Peter 1.13 So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. The idea here is sobriety. But Peter is not thinking about literal drunkenness. Peter is saying we should avoid being intoxicated by anything that would hinder calm, cool, and steady thinking, especially in times of sorrow and crisis. Any form of addiction be it drugs, alcohol, food, shopping, and whatever you can think of, should be avoided. In the battle with Satan, self-control is a necessity. The Apostle Paul mentions self-control as a fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of truth in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
God is the one by spirit who produces in us those qualities. They are not natural to us. They are the fruit of the spirit that is in us. But thirdly, keep hope alive. First Peter 1.13, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. We all set our hope on, on, on something. A student sets his hope on graduation. A bride sets her hope on the wedding day. And a political candidate set his hope on winning the election. Now, many people today tend to be negative and pessimistic about the future, especially what we see happening in Washington over the past um, several years. But as Christians, we can be optimistic and we should be optimistic because our hope is not in Washington or what human beings are doing around us or to us, but our hope should be in the Lord Jesus Christ who is coming back for his children. Peter is saying, keep your eyes on the prize. The Christian life is not a a hundred-yard dash. It is more like a marathon. Keep on keeping on. Keep on running. Don't stop until you see Jesus standing at the finish line. The race is so hard, so long, so difficult, and at times so discouraging. You will never finish if you don't keep your eyes on the goal. Hope does not come automatically. We must nurture and develop hope by using your mind to learn, to understand, and to apply the teachings and the promises of God to our life situation. Paul reminds us in in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hope tells us that better is yet to come. It may be dark now, the storm may be raging, but hope is the lighthouse in the storm. The night of suffering and pain may be dark and long, but hope tells us that the morning will come, for our hope is centered in the ability of God to do as he promised. But lastly, live as obedient children. Verse 14, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. The life of holiness is built on a lifestyle of active obedience. As children of God, we do not have the right to make our own decisions about how we will conduct our lives. When we accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, we surrendered all our rights to him. He became the Lord and the master of our lives, who determines what happens and directs us when we ask for direction. Left to ourselves, we will follow our evil desires, which once dominated our lives. God, therefore, does not leave us to ourselves. 
We are not yet of age. We are still minors who need our father's direction. And so he sets up rules and draws the guidelines for our behavior. All of these are given to us in the Bible, the scriptures, or instructional manual. If we don't read it, it is impossible for us to follow the divine guidelines. Living a life of holiness makes a difference not only in the way we respond to our Father, but also the way we act towards our brothers and sisters and to people with whom we come in contact. Holiness is not a set of rules and regulations. Holiness is about being like God. Being like God when you wake up. Being like God in the shower. Being like God in, on, at the breakfast table. Being like God in the classroom. Being like God in the office. Being like God on the telephone. Being like God in every detail. Being like God in every place. Being like God when we are happy. When we are sad. In good times and in bad times. Being like God always and forever. Holy living, in short, is doing right, acting right, talking right, dressing right, responding right, treating others right, thinking right, going in the right direction, establishing right relationships, living by the right principles, and developing the right priorities. We are chosen to be like our Father in heaven. Let us do the best we can, and the Holy Spirit will be there to guide us and to allow us to fulfill what God wants us to do as his people here and now in this sinful world. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.